Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, pubiets. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic episode for you today with a talented guest, ultra marathoner and shoe designer, Caitlin Fielder joins the show. Caitlin is a professional endurance athlete competing in trail ultramarathons and also is a gifted artist painting, creating, and designing athletic shoes in several different sports. On today's episode, Caitlin reflects on her thoughts during a grueling endurance race and and how she reminds herself that she's not alone when she's racing and that other athletes are going through the same thing as her. Caitlin also reflects on the last year and how it actually was a positive for her as she was recovering from a severe injury. And lastly, Caitlin chats about her shoe designing business and where the inspiration came from and, and what she enjoys most about designing. Really, really lovely conversation with Caitlin. Uh, she was an absolute joy to chat with. Great personality. I love her thought process and her mentality for running. I love her honesty. I respect what she does on the trails for ultra marathons, but I'm also equally impressed by how well she knows herself. And it's also incredible to see how she's able to blend an athletic life with an artistic one. Thrilled for everyone to meet her, so let's go ahead and bring on ultra marathoner and shoe designer Caitlin Fielder. And let's learn. A lot of runners that I talked to, including myself, never liked running until they were adults. So for you, when did you first start to love running? Um, I think I've actually always kind of liked running, but I've never really specialized in it I guess I think probably when I was younger I'm not sure if you have the saying in America but we say um you know the jack of all trades and master of none yeah so I kind of spread myself really thinly across like a lot of sports and um when I it was probably like seven years ago I moved to this place called Nelson in New Zealand Mm -hmm. and um before that I had been doing quite a lot of boxing um and I moved to Nelson and decided to have a fight, a boxing fight there. So I kind of trained up in that for about a year. And then I had the fight and afterwards, um, like that whole year was super intense with boxing. And a friend suggested that uh, we enter into this ultra marathon. And I had never run over like a half marathon. And I was completely buggered from the fighting and all the training and was like, yep, committed to the training for the ultra marathon. And then honestly, since there, it's just really taken off so I kind of I guess I set my objectives to one thing and then <laughs> move on to the next after but I'm I'm set on running now I think I've, I've been convinced yeah. I've been I've transitioned into a runner well training for ultras is difficult and boxing training one of the most difficult as well it sounds like you're someone who just likes a physical challenge mm. yeah I think so I think um I I think as as humans we kind of it's like the you tend towards the easy way out sometimes I think and um maybe subconsciously and I think from that we can probably push ourselves a whole lot harder than we think we can um and that really attracts me with ultra marathon running and trail running like not even necessarily ultra marathon running because I think some of my hardest races have been you know 25k um, because it all depends, I guess, on how hard you push yourself, you know, like I haven't done a 5k in a long time and I did one a month ago and, you know, it was like, oh my God, I'll have an ultra marathon any day over that. But 
yeah, I think it's the challenge of the challenge definitely attracts me to the sport. How do you use past physical successes to your advantage? For instance, if you're pushing through on an ultra and there might be periods of, of difficulty, well, there are periods of difficulty when they occur, do you then think back to, oh, well, I've been in the ring boxing. This is nothing. Yeah, uh, sometimes, I guess. I think, um, I think kind of stepping out of yourself in a way helps with situations like that. Like it's quite easy to get so caught up in your personal pain and your emotions, but actually realizing, you know, like everyone, everyone's probably going through the same kind of um, onset of pain or, you know, onslaught of different emotions right now. And, um, and realizing that at some stage, everyone will be going through those same stuff. It makes you feel kind of not quite so alone and also like not so defeated i guess the fact that you're kind of all trudging along through the pain mud together is a lot more um appealing i think than just thinking that you're at it alone i know what's most important is that it's a lifestyle that you that running is a lifestyle for you but i'm also i gotta know the numbers it's one of those things you mean another marathon or it's like how many have you done so what's the tally what are we at marathon half marathon ultra marathons where are we at right now yeah i've actually i've never actually run a marathon on the road mm -hmm. so um that's definitely in the future for me, but it just doesn't really attract me right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not the type of thing that I want to do. Um, half marathons, I've done a lot, like because I always enter in um, half marathons on the trails for good um, trainings for like the 50, 60K races that I tend to lean towards. Uh, so half marathon wise, I would have done, you know, somewhere like 30, 40, that kind of region. Um, and that's like, I mean, half marathons, you know, like I'd do, you know, two a week kind of thing in training. So then you add that on, you know, quite a few. Um, ultra marathons wise, that's probably, you know, like 15, 20 kind of region. That's like anything over 40K. My longest run has been 85K. I'm not sure what that is in a mile, in miles. Maybe <laughs> 60 miles or something. But probably under about, 60 probably miles. about right. I'm not good on that conversion, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why miles? I don't know why I, you guys do miles. I apologize on behalf of all Americans. I, I don't I have no answer for that. It is a lifestyle for you. Like, like you don't necessarily track those because you, like you said, you are doing half marathons during the week just as practice. Which of the ultras so far are the ones that stand out for you emotionally? The ones that you still think back on, maybe you were proud of completing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, my first one that I did uh, was actually the 85K. So um, I kind of went straight into it and it was on the west coast of New Zealand. It's this ultra marathon called the Old Ghost Road. And it was the first year that they'd done it. So I think there was only about um, maybe like 40 of us that had entered. And now like they're capping it now. So there's like 300 entrants and they're all sold out within minutes. But it was one of it would have been about five or six years ago, I think, and it's just this incredible track in New Zealand that um, there's like a team of people that went into building this amazing track um, on the west coast. And you started, I think it's we started really early that year, but it was like five a.m. So you're running when the sun comes up, and just that it's the most stunning like run I've probably ever done. And it was just so much more than, I think the furthest I'd done was 50K before that running. 
Um, and so every step after 50K, it was like, wow, like what an achievement. And now I'm not sure. I don't think I've, um, it's hard to go back to that feeling once you've kind of done that first long run, I think. And, and now I'm a little bit more focused on numbers and, you know, achievements probably. And, but back then it, it's such an achievement just to finish it almost. For you when you're on the trail, I know a lot of runners have different philosophies. Some have headphones. seems like most often, more than not, just appreciate the time mentally to meditate and just use mantras think to yourself. For you, what's the, what's the headspace for you? Are there specific mantras that you use or what are you thinking about on these long runs? Um, ideally, actually, I kind of prefer it when I'm like not thinking, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, um, completely. You kind yeah. of, if you just go into like autopilot and I like to think of it like I've just kind of separated my mind and it's just floating behind me on like a in a balloon, you know, like a helium filled balloon, but that's the ideal scenario. But I, I honestly think of just about anything like my work that I do is quite creative. So I do like, um, custom road cycling shoes, like artwork on road cycling shoes. So, um, most of my ideas actually come when I'm like running. So I kind of tend towards that creativity side, I guess. Um, but also just trying to, kind of appreciate where I am and just how, you know, lucky I am to be over in Europe and running these kind of trails and with people around me that also love it. Like it's a completely different scene mm -hmm. um, to other things that I've been involved in. Just everyone's so like happy to be out there. Um, kind of mantra wise, if I'm really digging into it, I have like, in, there's a saying in Spanish, I don't even think it's a saying, but I'm not very good at Spanish and I kind of say it to myself, but it's like tomelo, which means take it. And I think um, I kind of just say it to myself because it's like nobody's going to give it to me. You know, I have to go out there and take it for myself. So it's kind of a bit more like, come on, just take it. <laughs> well, I like your point. You said you're really not thinking about anything and those are the best times. There's a, there's a quote that I think of that Zen is not thinking about God while you're peeling potatoes. Zen is peeling the potatoes. So it's, it's yeah. not worrying about what I'm thinking about. It's just doing the activity. I think that applies perfectly to you. I'm curious in the last year, I know that with trails, you, can, you probably had a lot of opportunity to get out and run, but there probably were fewer events. So how did you handle the, the last year of the, not having all the events? And also what ways did you alter or adapt your training? Yeah, so um, actually I went into the last year knowing that it was going to be a very difficult year for me anyway. Um, so in the summer of 2019, I had a pretty... Uh, bad uh, bike accident and I came off around a corner on a bicycle and came off onto my hip and I spent the whole of 2019 kind of tiptoeing between my training trying to figure out what was the matter and then I went back to New Zealand and saw a surgeon and um, ended up having to have surgery in February, March I think of um, last year so I ran um, an ultra marathon in New Zealand called the Tatawera Ultra Marathon, um, which is like 52K. And I ran that two weeks kind of before the surgery. And that was, I guess, my like final, my last hurrah mm -hmm. <laughs> before heading into the surgery. I was like, oh, well, you know, I might as well, you know, go into it knowing that I've done something well. And I ended up winning that, which was awesome. And then... Um, I went into the surgery and initially this is even before we kind of thought COVID was a thing. So 
Um, initially, I thought it would be three months off of running and I came out and it turned out um, it was a lot worse than they thought. And so that turned into six months off of running um, and I couldn't walk further than, you know, 200 metres type thing and was on crutches for a month and a half. So um, I flew over to Europe, I think a month after that, while I was still on crutches and everything and was very prepared. Um, you know, not to be racing, not to be running anyway. So when I got here and then a week later, we went into lockdown here in Europe, um, which meant that we couldn't leave the house for only for groceries, basically. So they had police surveying the apartments. You couldn't leave for exercise or... Um, and so in terms of like training, that I had prepared myself anyway to almost be on, on the erg. So I just happened to have my partner, George, who's a professional cyclist beside me on the erg, you know, as I, but um, the only issue with that was that I wasn't able to see kind of any physios, any, get any proper rehab. I couldn't swim to help my hip, like, um, and also the fact that we were just stuck inside for three months without being able to move out of the apartment. But yeah. um in terms of everything like stalling, it was actually like the best possible time for me yeah. to have my operation. Um, all the ranking worldwide systems were stopped. I wouldn't have been able to do any races and then they all got transferred to this year. Um, and it's actually, I've, it's crazy looking back on it because I was considering, you know, not having the operation and everything. And, and then it turned into the most, um, the best, you know, outcome of a horrible situation being COVID. Um, but for me, like, you know, so I, I ran the same race in Tatawetta in February and I think I knocked 15 minutes off of my time and that was my longest run I'd done in a year. Um, my third run over, you know, three hours. And so maybe maybe the year was just something that my body needed, you know, take some time off, go on the bike for a bit and, and I think a lot of people have discovered that, you know, just the process of stepping back and taking some more time to actually get a bit more in tune with your body and as frightening as that may be. A lot of competitive athletes have said similar notions on this fact that this is the first time they've had no events, so they got to rest mentally, physically. I know that running has enhanced your life in so many different ways. So in what ways do you feel that your life has improved or changed through this lifestyle of distance running? Um. Well, for me, having my own business, running gives me uh, a really good, um, not only a routine, but a way for me to kind of clear my head and force force myself to get outside almost. Mm -hmm. Like it's quite easy if you're, if you have your own business just to get a bit too stuck into it, I guess. And, and it's not always the most um, time management or most effective way you know to be using your time as you can sit inside but it doesn't mean that because I'm in my office for seven hours I'm you know outputting seven hours of work so I find that when I'm you know outside training and then I come back in it's like I'm a lot more um, focused when I'm working and a lot happier to do the work as well it's kind of like the, the both extremes of it you know go out and train for three hours and then come inside and sit down for you know you know five hours and do that so and also mentally I think um I feel a whole lot better when I'm training and when I 
which is actually, I think, also uh, an issue that I've kind of identified with myself. Um, it's almost like how how I take on like rest days. Um, it's, it, rest days are quite an interesting. It's almost like if you're tough enough to rest, you know, like it, it's a lot harder than a lot of people identify with. And I think um, that, that having the last year off as well has made me reconsider what I identify as being a strength, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like a lot, of, a lot of people think a strength for an ultramarathon is, you know, really good times or uh, coming first, being on the podium. But I think now the strength is a lot more mental than physical um with the rehabilitation and strength trainings you know every day the strength for me was uh, getting up and doing an hour routine which you know i moved my hip a centimeter <laughs> um and then got in the pool for an hour and just aqua jogged yeah it's, it's made me um look at everything a whole lot differently i think and that's that's all to do with the running really yeah. So it is a rest day like for you. Is that where you completely doing nothing or is it more of an active rest or, or a different activity? Uh, it depends on what my load was. Um, usually if I have like a race, I'll have a rest day, a proper rest day and everything off. But um, I, I quite enjoy the active active rest days, you know, like a spin to the coffee shop and and but just very easy, but it's yeah. quite nice just to have something to, as I like force me to get outside, basically. <laughs> like you right. can become a hermit, especially now with COVID without even realizing it. Yeah. So sometimes it's like an all off, but I, I do prefer the days that I can still get outside and go for it, especially here in Spain when the weather's good, like you just want to be outside really. Yeah. I like how you mentioned that taking a rest day is important and that is a strength to have the mental capacity to say it's okay to, to set back. Cause I know so many athletes are caught up in beast mode and train, train, train every day. Yeah. In what other ways has your training changed over the years and what ways are you necessarily better or more informed of training? Yeah. Um, I actually used to train a lot focusing on my heart rate and then, um, I've kind of, I've changed coaches now and my coach now is, um, is uh, an ex-runner, Jonathan Wyatt, who used to run for New Zealand. He was an Olympian. Um, he also coaches Ruth Croft, who's a phenomenal athlete. And now we, I train to my feelings and sensations, and I didn't even really realise how kind of removed I was before from just becoming so conscious of a number rather than how I actually felt. And... Mm-hmm my heart rate could be so variable because of, you know, sleep, stress, how much I ate, the mm-hmm. heat on the day, you know, was I at altitude? It can just become so impacted by everything else. Yeah. And I would just be so involved with this number that it's like the the outcomes of the training were almost irrelevant. <laughs> like I was just trying to hit this number. But now that I'm a lot more focused on like different zones on how I'm feeling that helps me a whole lot more in the races as well, because it's like, and most of the time, like I can, I'll guess what my heart rate is, you know, and it'll be pretty bang on. But if I'm in a race, it's going to help me a whole lot more knowing how I'm actually feeling than 
if I look down and my and I'm maxed out at my heart rate, yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm like, oh, Plan B or you know, like it. Yeah, it's, it's it's a whole lot different now. Yeah, it sounds like a switch from quantitative to qualitative philosophy too, or the journey so to the outcome. What do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned from the last twelve months, especially for you? You global pandemic, massive injury, time away. Just a, I know is a for you mentally, emotionally, just a, a whirlwind of a year. So, what do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned? Oh, so you know. By the so way, that, I got to interrupt you. That is the most common answer I get. Is oof is yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Boiling it down to one lesson, and um, I think. I probably um, didn't realize the how important it was, the mental side of it, I think. Um, and because after my surgery, like that was that was the most intense injury I've ever had in my life. Like, and I had never expected um, to have that type of time put into recovery. Uh, taking a step back from running, it was almost like I didn't realize also how much I had wrapped my own identity in running and once that was taken away it was quite um it was a bit of a wake-up call Mm -hmm. uh you know like in reality nobody really cares how much I run you know I had I had made this my own personality Mm -hmm. um a lot more consumed by running than it needed to be and I think um that also included a whole lot of pressure just from myself, like my sponsors aren't calling me up saying that I need results or we need you running, especially last year, you know? Um, so it was all, it was all kind of a bit too egocentric, I guess. And, um, last year definitely made me realize that. And I think that's helped me a whole lot more coming into races this year. You know, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't actually really matter at the end of the day. Like I'm running because I enjoy it. I want to put one foot, forward in front of the other and running these awesome trails with these other people that love it too and um and if I just happen to be on the top three places at the end of it or however many that's awesome but I'd rather come 10th and know that I've given it my all than come first and be you know questioning how how well I went or you know thinking that I could have gone harder yeah it's like it's like liberating introspection that you have I love that. You know, I get asked about when it comes to trail running. I know it's more visually appealing, more aesthetically pleasing than just going on a track or maybe just a road and when you do this great distance. But with that, there's a lot of other extra challenges that come. The terrain, obviously, up and down. And, and it's, it's surprisingly much more challenging to run downhill than, than most people would think. And also yeah. being out on some of these locations, you're isolated. So safety does become an issue with just the, the whole gamut of, of the things that exist. So for you, how do you balance the the pleasures of being out down a trail with the other concerns that come with it yeah actually that's quite interesting i've been reading hillary allen's book at the moment um i think it's called out and back and it's about her obviously running the sky race in in tromso in norway when she falls um horrific accident but amazing amazing lady and me reading it after obviously kind of identifying coming back from an injury, but I was like, wow, you know, like she has gone through some stuff. Um, it's quite, it's actually quite interesting running here in Europe in comparison to in New Zealand, because in New Zealand, um, I can be running there for, you know, five, six hours and not see a single person and not be in, um, not be in, you know, mobile service or, 
anything like that. So when I'm running in New Zealand, I always take um, a personal locator beacon with me, like a little emergency device and always have like a emergency blanket. But it's still, I mean, I guess it's, it'd be a little bit um, idiotic probably for you not to think about worst case scenario. Um, and un I don't want to be unprepared, you know, I'd be that type of person. <laughs> but um, it's, it is quite hard, like around here, most of the time you will see people, but generally you will be quite close to home. Um, it's good to be, I guess, prepared for it. And then there are all the apps now that you can share your location and everything like this, which is quite safe. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never really felt, I've never felt unsafe any time that I've been running, and, but I'm always aware, I guess. Yeah. So what's on the, the near horizon and the distant future? What are some events you got coming up? But also, what's the, what's the big white whale event you've got in the back of your mind that you'd like to hit one day? Ooh, um, I have quite a few of the Golden Trail series races coming up. Mm -hmm. So um, next one, I think, is Mont Blanc. And then after that, there is a race. Um, so that's the Mont Blanc Marathon. Yeah. And then there is the race and which is the new race uh, Ola de Nuria which is the new replacement of Zagama which is pretty close by to me here which is great and um, then there's the Dolomites which um, Italy which yeah. I love love to yeah. do I haven't done any of these so far so I'm just all in now yeah. that I can run <laughs> um, then there is the uh, Sierra Zanel which I think is a bit later on I'll be doing the OCC, which is the UTMB 56K race uh, in Chamonix. And then ideally, um, I'll be representing New Zealand in November at the World Trail Running Champs in Thailand. Fantastic. Fantastic. Busy, busy, but I'm all in. Hopefully, oh, fingers crossed they go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, on top of everything, these such beautiful and idyllic locations that you're going to be visiting. I'm, yeah. I'm incredibly jealous on that aspect. Uh, <laughs> you spent a lot of time in Andorra, a country that I think probably most Americans would be hard-pressed to even find, don't even know it exists. So yeah. someone visiting Andorra for the first time, what would be your recommendations? Oh, um, get out of the main town for sure. Yeah. So Andorra is, is a really strange country. It's, um, for those that don't know, it's between Spain and France. Mm -hmm. So it's along the Pyrenees. Mm -hmm. um, you can basically get from the bottom of Andorra to the top. So there's only one road that runs through the bottom and out the top, basically one main road. Um, and that's, I think, maybe 25K long. So you can get through the whole country in 25Ks. Um, and it literally just starts and goes up. So we live right at the top, which is at altitude. Um, down in the bottom, it's like a tax haven. So it's like walking through duty-free at the airport. You know, you can get all your cheap cigarettes and your alcohol and your perfumes. But you want to get out of there. <laughs> you don't want to be. You don't want to be shopping around in there. You want to just honestly just get out of there and go straight into nature because the mountains and the tracks that they have are just incredible. Like if you like flat walks though, I probably wouldn't recommend Andorra. And if you want to be riding flat, I wouldn't recommend Andorra, but it's some, it's some great training there because it's just, so, it's brutal. Like it's really hard because you're going straight up or coming straight down, but it's absolutely amazing. Like it's incredible. The nature. Fantastic.
so you mentioned that you're also designing shoes. So where can people find your shoes and what are some of the projects that you work on? Yeah, so um, my Instagram handle for my shoes is Fielder underscore fine art. I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I do custom road cycling shoes and I've actually been doing it probably just over four years now, which is crazy. Um, I kind of fell into it because I, I used to work in science in New Zealand. So I worked in marine science and aquaculture. Mm. And when I moved, I decided to move over here to Spain and I was kind of trying to figure out what I could do for a job over here. And then my partner rides in, you know, big races in Tour de France and he rides for Jumbo Visma, the, um, the road cycling team. And one year for his birthday, I was trying to figure out, you know, what I could get him. And he suggested actually painting his, um, painting his shoes. So I painted a pair that he wore at the tour and I had a whole lot of people kind of message me and ask if they could get their own pairs. And then it literally just took off from there. So most of the shoes that I do are just for, you know, everyday Joe blogs that loves wearing some nice shoes on the weekend. Or I think I've got some here actually. These are for, um, the sneak peek here oh, for wow. Esteban wow. Chavez. Wow. So there's some pairs here. Wow. Um, yeah, so basically people, what people usually do is if they buy the shoes um, from like a Spanish website and have them sent directly to me and then I paint them and send them back to wherever that person is. So internationally, <laughs> no, yeah. The thing is with cycling shoes, a lot of them just come white, you know, and yeah. especially in the professional cycling teams, it's literally one of the only things that the guys can personalize. Yeah. So it's so cool to be able to like put a little bit of personality onto the rider, whereas they're in you know, uniforms and they can't really change. How can people stay up to date with, with your life and follow along your career? Yeah, so um, art page is Fielder underscore finat and my, that's on Instagram and my normal Instagram is Caitlin underscore Fielder, I think. <laughs> um, tell me if that's correct. <laughs> um, Obviously, I'm actually a little bit more involved with my business page there, but uh, I'll be picking up on the on my normal page hopefully. But I find it a bit um, a bit involving, you know, with two Instagram pages. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't multitask. <laughs> awesome! Hey, that was so great. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, but well, thank you for yes. today. Uh, is it still sunny out right now? Yeah, it actually is. That's incredible. It's been really bad weather, but it's sunny now. Yeah, and what are we, 7.30? Yeah, it's great. Love that. Love that. Perfect. (laughs) Best of luck. I hope we chat again, but thank you for today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Bye, Caitlin. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Caitlin. You can follow her athlete page at Caitlin underscore fielder on Instagram and her shoe page is Caitlin Fielder underscore fine art. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story, each person is a scholar, Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like 
you know, New York's favorite son, 